All right, well, I think we can go ahead and begin. And we still may have a couple other latecomers join us. We'll just scowl at them in unison as they walk in late. Give them a little, little healthy dose of guilt. Never hurt anybody. Uh, I mean, it sustained the church for hundreds of years, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, welcome. Glad you're here today. Um, we are continuing this journey of uh, kind of thinking about how God has gifted us as individuals, how God has gifted us as the church. And then um, trying to figure out how all those puzzle pieces fit together. And that's really kind of the aim of this class. And so the way we've kind of got it structured is we're looking at different gifts uh, on one Sunday. And then the next Sunday, we're going to talk about some applications of those gifts. So today's an application Sunday, which is our actually our, the first time we're doing this. So this is our first set of gifts. So we're going to talk to um, some life group leaders and our prayer ministry leaders. Uh, Deanna is going to be here a few minutes late. She's doing some consignment sales stuff. And so she's going to talk with the Mots, and I'm going to talk to the hotels. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the joke that keeps on giving. All right, before we go, a um, couple of announcements. Uh, the, the consignment sale uh, still needs copy paper boxes, like big, sturdy boxes. They need wire hangers, and they need volunteers. So if you have the spiritual gift of administration, if you have a spiritual gift of um, kind of being evangelistic even, because there's a lot of people that come into our building during the consignment sale that are not familiar with Otter Creek or familiar with the church in general, uh, that's a great place to serve. And so to sign up, you can visit the ottercreeksale.com. There's a typo here. Uh, ottercreeksale.com slash volunteer. Also, if you would like to participate as part of the OC men's softball team, register online by March 2nd. I'm not sure which spiritual gifts the softball team employs. Uh, patience, maybe. I don't know. All right. Um, John, would you mind swinging that door closed? Sorry, you're buried in your stuff back there. Everybody doing okay? Have a good week. Been a full week. All right. Let's uh, let's start with a prayer. Father, we uh, pause to just invite you into this space. We pray that we would be able to take a breath and um, kind of slow our our bodies and our thoughts down uh, from the busyness of last week. And just be able to kind of shift gears in our minds to think about your kingdom and your ways of living. We pray that our focus would shift from some of the day-to-day details that we deal with every day to um, looking at the bigger picture of your story and how you created this this world for us to live in and how um, through sin and error we distanced ourselves from you and how you have called us back to you as your sons and daughters. May we live fully into that identity. May we have the courage and the creativity to see how we can participate in your kingdom, how we can um, be an agent for you as your kingdom comes to earth as it is in heaven. Father, specifically for this morning, I pray that you would open our minds and open our hearts um, to hear the conversations we're going to have and to examine ourselves so that we might um, think about how, how we might emulate some of these gifts and how we might grow some of these gifts within us and how we can 
uh, employ these gifts into your service. We pray for that, for that creativity and for that, that courage when we're uncertain. And Father, I just thank you for, um, for this group of folks that care enough and, uh, about the local church and are invested in their own spiritual growth <laughs> enough to, um, to do this hard work of self-examination and to figure out uh, how, how they can best serve. I pray that you would bless that, that energy and that effort and uh, produce fruit in all of our lives. We, we love you, and we thank you for your steadfast love that's new every morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, so just a quick reminder of what we did last week, and then we're going to jump into a little bit of an interview. But uh, last week we talked about two different spiritual gifts. We talked about shepherding and intercession. Uh, as we talked about shepherding, that um, was not in the context of eldering. You know, eldering is a part of shepherding, but shepherding is actually much broader than just being an elder, as we know in Churches of Christ. Um, and then uh, we talked about intercession, uh, intercessory prayer on behalf of others. And, um, and so we're going to dig a little bit deeper into those two gifts this morning. So I'll just remind you of this definition, which I, re- I really like um, for shepherding. The gift of shepherding is the God-given ability to assume long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of an individual or small group of Christ followers by nurturing and guiding them toward ongoing spiritual maturity. I think that's well said. So that's kind of what we're thinking about. Um, Shepherding characteristics tend to be someone who's nurturing, someone who's guiding, somebody who is kind of, um, sometimes it's just the ability to guide is somewhat dependent on uh, life experience sometimes. Sometimes you've had to blaze the trail before you can guide someone else down that trail. So, um, But then just being supportive, relational, and then having influence, influence, which, by the way, is built on trust, which, by the way, is built on having a relationship with someone and goes back to having that uh, longevity of relationship, which was mentioned in the, in the definition. And then specifically here at Otter Creek, um, folks with gifts in shepherding, um, can be, serve as life group leaders, as teachers. You could, you might lead a huddle group, which is our small groups for our middle schoolers. You might lead a covenant group, which is our small groups for high schoolers. Uh, in the college ministry, you might be a host family to some college students. Um, you could be a, that, that program formally is called freeloaders, because you kind of invite your freeloading college student over to the house, do laundry and feed them and hang out, um, things like that. And then of course also eldering. So um, I just want to start with a video that I saw um, a week or two ago, uh, which I think kind of captures um, what life groups are. So we're going to specifically kind of focus on life groups. Um, this video is um, some Canadian commercial. I don't even know what they're advertising, but the it's one of those commercials that's like oh that's like Super Bowl level commercial. <laughs> so I don't know what it's for. It's not Doritos, but um, okay, I'll share this with you.
just the sound of everyone. shared table. Um, I've, I've seen that video uh, probably half a dozen or eight times now and it still gets me every time. <laughs> I, I don't know that, uh, man, I, I think I've been in ministry about 10 years now and I think that two minutes encapsulates what I am trying to do in ministry more than more than anything I could say or do. Like, like that, that's it. Um, and I think the reason might be, this is a little bit confessional, the reason might be um, because I'm the old grumpy guy down at the end of the hall that sometimes has to get drug out, you know. Um, and because of that, I recognize the value of, and the intentionality required to drag your table out into the hallway and to wait on others. There's like a little pause, you know, the first two, I don't know if they're roommates or mother or daughter or what, what the relationship is, but two ladies that come out there first and they sit down and there's kind of this awkward pause, like, is anybody going to show up? And um, that's kind of the pause I like to live in right there. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out here. Like, let's, let's, see what, let's see what happens. And so for years, my wife Dixie and I have, led, I mean, we've led life groups, small groups for 20 plus years now. And, you know, there are some nights where we have a life group and it's, it's kind of like that. You know, you, you don't really want people to come over, but you've sent out that email in the middle of the week that said they could, and so you're thinking, oh, somebody might show up, and and people show up, and then that breaks out, and you think, oh, man, what a, what a blessing. How, how could I have even thought Sunday at 4 o'clock, oh, man, it would be nice if nobody even showed up. <laughs> but um, it's just, that's, that's pretty rewarding. And then there's, I mean, I say that, there's been lots of beautiful stories in our groups, too, and probably one of the most precious um, aspects of our lives together, married life. Okay, um, let's talk with Michael and Sarah Odell. <laughs> you guys, come on up. Yeah, you can sit in the big chairs here. Um, why don't you first... Yeah. yeah, come on. So I'm not Sarah. Right, right. Why don't, you, why don't you first introduce yourselves? I'm Michael Odell. Yes, and I'm Michael Corcoran, and I am a member of Michael's small group, and Michael dragged me. He's like, hey... 
my wife uh, is teaching this morning. Can I uh, enlist you for an interview? I was going to look for one of the ladies in our group so that you could get a female perspective. But he's very sensitive. <laughs> uh, he's the only one I saw up there, so. All right. Hey, Deanna, welcome. We're just, we just sat down. We're just starting. So, um, all right, well, first thing, just tell us a little bit about your group. How long have you all kind of been together in this instance of a group? How did you get together? So, what does it look like? our group has been around for seven and a half years. Mm -hmm. Was Max more? Nope. So, <coughs> TJ, uh, TJ McLeod was one of the ministers here. He set up groups when we had a big life group push about seven and a half years ago. Um, and I was kind of the grumpy guy. My wife and I were first married. Um, maybe a year and a quarter. We were six months pregnant with our first kid. We liked to be lazy on Sundays. And like, yeah, I know we should do this, but wouldn't it be nice to just not? And so we showed up and we got sat at this table with uh, six families, seven families, or couples rather, that we didn't even know. I knew one of them <coughs> at, the, at the time. Um, but we got lumped together because we were all newly married and either had just had a first kid or were pregnant with our first kid. And so in our first meeting, there was, I think, seven couples, maybe eight couples, in a room about a quarter of the size of this. There were two babies. Seven and a half years later, now there are six couples and 19 kids, something like that. Babies. Yeah, so we have... Um, That's been the story of our life group, pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah, it's like, who's pregnant now? There's you took the, the life part of life group very literally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that nobody's pregnant right now that we know of, are they? No, not that you know. No. So, well, yeah, actually, possibly, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of growth. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, um, got, we got dragged in too from some friends that had come, because at the time I think there were some other, there was sort of like multi generational life mm -hmm. groups happening, and mm -hmm. then there was kind of a push to like kind of try and place some people together that were in similar life stages. Because mm -hmm. I remember we were with. Phil and Karen Gibbs for a little while with them, and then it kind of morphed into this sort of altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, officially, Michael and Sarah are the leaders of the group, but I know Mike, you're teaching um, this semester. This semester. Yeah. So, um, and what happens after a group has been together for seven and a half years is there's a lot of mutual responsibility and <laughs> accountability and stuff. But having said assumed all, roles at this point, right? Yeah. But um, since you and Sarah are civil leaders, um, are do you ever feel like you're herding cats or shepherding, or wh what kind of things do you have to do as the leaders that kind of require a shepherding kind yeah. of touch? So honestly, kind of at this point in our stage, the shepherding part is more kind of administrative. Um, we, you know, we because we have. Is it Kids. It's a lot of kids. Um, we had been meeting at our house because we have a really big playroom at our house that we could just kind of lock the door. Um, but it got, we did actually, we locked the door. Uh, but it got a little crazy. So we meet here at the church and we have babysitters come in so that we can actually have an hour to do something. And so that's just kind of been the administrative point. And we used to, when was the last time anything I sent email was taken seriously? Nobody responds. But the wives have kind of, um, started this like network of craziness that like they all talk about everything all together and we just show up. You know, we used to have like these emails and let's pray for these people, let's meet at this time. 
And now I just, is this life group Sunday? And Sarah's like, yes, we're going to the church, 4.30, everybody will be there. Um, they just do it through text. Right. So, um, but we do, we do try to, to just kind of figure out as, as the leaders, you know what I mean, just to stop and take a deep breath. You know, what do we need to do? Sometimes we just scrap the, the, the teaching part and say, let's just fellowship, you know. Um, after a long week and kids, sometimes it's just nice to eat some food and complain with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, my mantra to life group leaders is to remind them that these are not off-campus Bible studies. Like, I'm never going to tell anybody, hey, you probably shouldn't be studying scripture or you shouldn't be doing a Bible study. But we have a lot of mechanisms at Otter Creek to study scripture and to, to be in the Word together and to grow. Um, the value of life groups is relational. The value of life groups is being able to drag your table out in the hall and, and share a meal and, and just share life together. So, so thinking along those lines, I'm wondering if you could share a time that your life group has hurt, you know, cried together, hurt together, um, and then maybe an opposite. When when has there been a celebration point? Something that's just given you life. Well, I think the obvious sort of the painful moment for our life group. Um, James and Elizabeth Parnell um, are in our life group, and they lost um, a daughter to uh, seven days old. Yeah, which they knew, uh, so there was a lot leading up. She had trisomy 8 and basically was born knowing that she was going to die. And um, so that was something that they found out pretty early on in the pregnancy, but really decided to kind of keep, to take it to term. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of crying, a lot of support, and, and obviously not just within our life group, but within the entire Otter Creek congregation, it was pretty amazing to kind see both the during and the aftermath of all of that and um, you know I think that was a focusing moment because I think for us <clears throat> really so much of the seven years has just been like in the trenches with young children which is a lot in and of it itself and so and they're all active children too so <laughs> it's it's uh you know sometimes it's 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 hard to kind of step back and take a breath and that was definitely I would say kind of the defining moment of our that's the BCAD of our life right, right now. Um, and it wasn't like anything, <clears throat> it wasn't like a big aha moment or anything, but I could definitely tell that it was tighter after that. It stinks that we had to go through that. Right. But, um, it definitely took it to a different level, for sure. So the celebration, we've had a lot of fun stuff. I mean, just having as many kids as we've had, lots of casseroles <coughs> um, and baby showers and I mean, how many times have we been to Monkey Joe's on the bounce house for birthday yeah. parties in the past seven and a half years? We took, we went and on an trip. adult trip to Gatlinburg, like without kids. Yes, yeah. we yeah. actually found a weekend eight, where eight, eight, eight couples could go to a chalet in Gatlinburg, and we all made it. And we all had grandparents, and it was a beautiful weekend. And I was the only one that got an airbrush T-shirt. So. <laughs> was there was a lot of big talk about airbrush. There was talk, and um, yeah, that was that was a pretty awesome weekend too. Um, yeah, that was a highlight for sure. What's the, um, when you look at it from kind of a macro perspective, what's just the biggest blessing that comes out of being a part of these eight families? Just friendship, I think. Yeah, and just a, a sort of, I, I think it's, it's 
at times, especially, you know, everybody has their own individual experiences, but uh, it's nice to know, I mean, for us, and I think particularly for our wives, mm -hmm. to really be a part of a, a group that you know that A, you can trust them and talk to them about pretty much anything, but also that you're not alone in whatever you're struggling, you know, whatever yeah. you're going through at a particular moment, it's just nice to kind of be reminded that, you know, and, and we've definitely experienced that, oh, it's sunny, yeah, it's life group sign, whatever, and then sure. you just end up having this great time, and it's, um, yeah. Some of the best ones are those that, you know, somebody's kid gets sick or whatever, and you expect seven or eight couples, and then by 3.30 it's down to two couples, right. plus the host family, right. like, so we just cancel this week. And then everybody shows up, and that ends up yeah. being, you know, right. the funnest week. And, yeah. But yeah, I think the friendship, um, I think I would have gotten to know the guys, but not to this level. You know, spending a couple hours every two weeks together plus other things definitely makes it a deeper friendship. Um, our wives, this is a funny thing, a couple of years ago they started this group text where they, you know, just all, however many of them at the time, were texting. And after a couple of weeks we kind of had an intervention to say, we husbands need to sleep. <laughs> I can't stand the bing, bing. Oh, texting all night long. Yeah. Like every five or ten seconds. And one text would ignite like ten others. Yeah. And so they, you know, they have this whole network and um, we all watch each other's kids all the time. And um, it's been just that friendship, I think, has been pretty amazing. Yeah. So all of those wonderful experiences, you know, just the deep friendships, being able to support each other in difficult times even supporting each other in the mundane times of, hey, let me watch your kids or whatever, the trip to Gatlinburg, you know, all those, all those things are dependent on somebody being able to say, hey, we'll take the lead and get this group together and kind of organize and, and shepherd it. And there's definitely a lot of administrative function in there. Somebody's got to send emails that nobody's going to read. So, I mean, that's an important part. Um, so uh, all that to say, that spiritual gift of shepherding creates all this beauty of, of life, which, you know, gathers those, those people together. So what's, you know, as the leader, so not, not being part of the, you know, a member of the group, but as the leader, what's the biggest um, blessing that you receive out of that? Or is it, is it just, maybe it's just the same thing, being part of the group, but. I think it's a growth thing, actually. Um, you know, I kind of liken being a life group leader to what I do at work, um, you know, managing people and sure things get taken care of but it's a very different kind of managing people right and I said at this point it's kind of administrative um, that's because we're in our rhythm you know it was definitely yeah, a lot yeah, right. more so when we started there were there was a, a portion of our group who wanted to have like really serious deep Bible studies and we tried that for a season or two and you know at that point we had all these screaming children like they were babies right and we just and then there was a, a portion for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half where we didn't do any study at all. It was just dinner, yeah, hanging out, hanging out, out when all the kids were three, you know. And now we've kind of come into a role of, I think this is our, here's our speed. Like, we know what our speed is now. Um, and we're doing a Francis Chan study from Right Media, which has been really cool. It's been a good study for us. Um, yeah, I, I think... I've, I've learned compassion and sensitivity. Um, 
you know, just because when you're with your guy friends, you, know, you can we just make fun of each other all the time, right? Sure. That's the spiritual gift. But then when you have a, a larger group, you have to be sensitive of you know, how people feel, um, how do they take something. Um, if what if you don't like this person's idea? We have one person who has very different ideas of what we should do than the rest of the group. Um, and so it's like, how do you, how do you say nobody wants to do this? But also at the same time, it's like, hey, we're going to do this. What this person wants to do. Um, we do talk about you all the time. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you're the one. <laughs> so it, it's almost you, you gotta, you know, just to love. It's it's about loving people and, and um, thinking of the rest of the group because you know, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to do half the stuff we do. I don't deal. 4.30 on a Sunday night. Right. Half the time I just want to, I got to go to work tomorrow. Right. But you got to put the others before yourself when you get blessed by it. Um, so yeah, just stick your neck out. It's not that much work. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Well, I know, um, you know, my family has been here at Otter Creek for about four years now. But before that, I was at a church in Jackson, Mississippi, and we had a life group. We were there for about seven and a half years. And kind of the same season of life. Our kids were younger. Um, in fact, our youngest was born there. So we were in a group with families that were having babies and raising babies. And so our babies grew up together to the point that they were, you know, at least seven or ten or whatever. And far and away that was the hardest part about moving like the job transition buying a house all that stuff was a piece of cake the hard part about moving was leaving those people yeah. that we love deeply we've had what three families move mm-hmm. um and we still see them too mm-hmm. um yeah you know we we got tight with those guys As a matter of fact one of the guys he emailed me or sent me a facebook message last summer said would you happen to be in washington dc next week yes I, I will be actually so we went to the Nationals game. Or so we, uh, we ended up being in New York City one night uh, at the same time and um, hung out. We get invited to a, what was that concert? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> it was at 2 in the morning. <coughs> but where was I going with that? Oh, the, the moving away. You know, we still. We're still tight with those right. guys. You know? right. they, like, the helpers come to town. Yeah. And go out to it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because our life group, there are three boys that have, including my son and his oldest, are within a week of each other, mm-hmm. birth-wise. And so there's, like, and Logan was really, like, um, you know, there was, like, four elder boys that are all still very, very close. Mm-hmm. And Hellions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly him. <laughs> but they have to, like they won't go to kids worship if they don't want there. That's that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you can see kind of a picture of what a beautiful um, way to experience life is when you're in this kind of. Close Yours will never be as cool as ours, but well, it sounds it sounds like that. But um, but all that, like I said, all that is dependent on someone kind of being a shepherd and kind of keeping people keeping people on track. So, all right. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Part of part of shepherding um, is definitely praying for people and with people. And so uh, Deanna is going to come and talk a little bit about intercessory prayer. You want to come on up? Do you want to remind anybody about interse- what intercession is? Or you gonna... Sure. Um, no, that's fine. 
We talked about, we talked about intercessory prayer last week and we defined it as the God-given ability to consistently pray on behalf of and for others, seeing frequent and specific results. And if you were here last week, I kind of described it as um, not just an ordinary prayer, more of a persistent, um, a persistence in prayer, coming boldly before God. Um, what other words did I use to describe it? Um, I don't know. Y'all may have something to offer um, for that. But um, characteristics of people with the gift of intercession, these are some characteristics that we, we listed of people. And here's John and Lynn Mott. <laughs> I've known John and Lynn for, I don't know, I guess since we first came to Otter Creek. So it's been over 20 years. Um, Lynn and I led Ladies Bible Study together for a few years. And um, as I was sitting here thinking, well, I'm going to introduce them. Twelve years ago, you may not remember this, I bought bunk beds from Lynn and John for our youngest son, Addison. <laughs> and we still have them. And he still sleeps in the bunk bed. And he reminded us last night that his feet sort of hang over the end of the bunk bed now. Because I was online looking for a bed for my son, who I just sent off to Chile. I reminded you all. Last week he was leaving. He's like, why are you buying Caleb a bed? He's going to be gone for three months. I'm the one that needs a bed. So anyway, he's still got the bunk bed. So if you want it for Jocelyn, I can give it back to you. We are not interested in offering okay. them a bed. We okay. offered them another bed when we moved from Franklin, and they wanted it, and we were set to go. I said, oh, we changed our mind. Okay, all right. Well... We'll keep the butt beds and just put them in the attic, I but guess. Thank but you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so Prayer Warrior Ministry. John and Lynn are, I guess, started that ministry. So can you tell us a little bit about when it started, what motivated you to start it? Did you, well, you did start it, so yes. yeah, tell, us, <laughs> tell us about that. Um, it's not good on my part not know the exact date, but it was um, in the spring of either 2006 or 2007, and um, Janine Adams and I don't know who all was on the steering committee um, organized a women's ministry, and one of the components of um, this newly organized ministry was going to be um, uh, prayer, and Janine asked me to head up the prayer ministry, and on our kickoff night, I had a sign-up sheet, and if you wanted to be emailed about prayer needs, put your email address here, and we started with maybe 20 women, and it grew, and then men wanted to join, so it wasn't, um, it wasn't just a women's thing, and uh, it's, it's like what y'all said about life groups. It, it, the blessing that is, I mean, it's, it's just been, I, I, I would be lying to you if I said everybody we pray for is healed. Nobody's ever died that we pray for. Uh, no marriage is broken up. No, no one's lost a job. Any of those things, obviously, those, those would be lies. But it has been such an enormous blessing to serve, I, I'm a conduit, as the way I put it. I receive information from people, specific prayer requests, and I transmit them. And then it, it, it just, 
It's given me connection with people on um, on the team. There are about 200 people who have agreed to pray, and um, it's just it's been wonderful. It's, it's been a real growth for me to witness the power of prayer. Well, it was started out of part of the women's ministry, yes. and then it's yes. grown from there. So that's been about ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. You have, you and John have done this before with our youth group. Russell and I sat in on this class that they taught the youth group on prayer, and it was so powerful for me to hear you all describe your prayer life to these teenagers. So, are you all good with kind of sharing what you all do on a daily basis? <clears throat> well, we uh, there, there's like two elements, two parts. There's there's our personal prayer lives as individuals, and then there's our prayer lives together as a couple. And um, probably would help to understand we're together all. <laughs> we, we've worked together for like 30 years. We work from home. We are at home, and we are together all the time. <laughs> And we so, are in separate rooms, but we're in the same house. We do have separate offices, <laughs> but we're close enough that we can yell back and forth. <laughs> uh, so your personal prayer life is probably really important since yeah. you are together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but our uh, our prayer life as a couple, you know, we pray several times a day. We pray at meals and at bedtime, and we have this list on my phone. It's, uh, once you get on, it's real hard to get off our, our prayer list. <clears throat> I mean, even if you die, we pray for comfort for your family after you're dead. It's just, it's, sometimes we just have to scrap the list and start over <laughs> because it gets so long and unwieldy. But, uh, you know, at lunch, we just give thanks for our food. But other times in the day, we, we go through our list or or through another list that I kind of keep in my head. But um, we do intentionally pray together. And then I think both of us were raised in families where we were taught. Uh, I, I've always thought we were really fortunate. We were raised in families that uh, had a commitment to cultivating our faith from day one. And we were taught uh, about prayer a small child, my mother, explaining to me, uh, you know, you, you don't have to sit down and fold your hand, close your eyes, bow your head and all that. You can pray anytime. You can pray sitting at a stoplight. And that really, I think, had an impact on, on me. And Lynn, I'm sure, had a similar experience. But uh, from a personal prayer life standpoint, probably the the most important thing I've learned is, is about praying for enemies. Uh, and, and when I say enemies, I usually use this in very broad term. It's just people who are irritating me. Uh, the, the first one was, uh, was our son's soccer coach. And he was a really nice guy. He was a great player. But he just wasn't, he wasn't having any success as a coach and we were we were going to game after game after game. They didn't win a game the whole year. And 
and we were just really frustrated. And I said something to a client. I had a client who was somewhat of a spiritual mentor, and I said something to her about it, and she said, "Well, you need to, you need to pray for." Me. You need to pray for him. You don't have to pray anything specific. Just ask God to shower him with blessings. And she and I went through this. Both of us have had experiences where we encountered somebody who was irritating us, and, and we prayed for him. And it was, it's amazing uh, what what happened. Uh, the coach, well, he was offered a job in another state and just completely, he got a really good deal in another state and is gone and, and another coach came in who was a little more experienced and had some more success. You know, there, there was a time then right after that when my client had, uh, uh, there was a guy at work who was irritating her and she prayed for blessings on him, and he got fired. But he was out. He was out of the way. And then what, there was one time when I was having trouble with this guy, and uh, I was the one who got changed. Uh, it was like I realized. Uh, I came to realize, and praying for him, uh, that his boss was just pushing him to do something, and that if I would just take a step back and look at it, I could give him what his, what he needed for his boss, but still keep what I needed for myself, and I, you know, just worked it out, and, you know, we were, uh, uh, we got along fine after that. Uh, it's just, that's been the most amazing thing about uh, personal prayer life to me, is uh, that experience with my So it sounds like you each have your own personal prayer life, and then you pray together, and that that there are prayers just of thanksgiving, but that your your intercessory prayer is very intentional, and yeah. you have lists that you go. go and and there was like there was a time when uh, we had an employee who was a very dear friend who was dying of cancer, and we were praying intensely for her healing, which didn't happen. But we had, we took communion every night. We sat down mm -hmm. held hands. We took communion and prayed for her because this, the, the client had told us that she thought it was important to take communion every chance you get, and especially uh, in relation to prayer. And for that friend, for I don't know, probably a couple of years, we we took communion together every night and prayed for her. Wow, that's that's a great. Yes, spiritual discipline you can combine with prayer. Um, <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about, I mean, this class is on spiritual gifts, so is there a required level of giftedness someone needs to be involved in this ministry? Um, like if people want to be involved, do they just tell you to add to the list? So what do you think about the whole spiritual gift of intercession and, and being in the prayer warrior ministry? I believe that the level of giftedness that's required is a willingness to have a conversation with God. And you don't have to know the right words to say, you don't have to know the right time or posture or any of those things. All it is is a willingness to talk to God and ask Him for whatever it is we're praying about at that moment. And um, 
you know, it, obviously this is a very <coughs> private um, mm -hmm. discipline. Nobody's going to check up on anybody to see did you pray for so and so today. Um, and <coughs> the re the other requirement though is for you to get an email from me. You have to be um, uh, signed up on Fellowship One because I send them through Fellowship One. Uh, we tried other ways, but the list got too big and we got labeled as spam. <laughs> we Outlook didn't like us, and this this um, email distribution service we use for our clients didn't like didn't like that. So we go with Fellowship One, but that that literally is the only requirement. Um, I believe as you commit to pray, you're gonna you'll be blessed. I mean, it's, um, and as I said earlier, there are no guarantees that, that people you, you pray for, that the outcome will be what you see with your eyes, you want it to be, um, but there's enormous, enormous blessing in prayer. Well, tell us about a circumstance that you all have prayed for who persistently um, where someone has just been blessed by that and um, you've seen a really miraculous positive outcome. I mean, you don't have to name names, obviously. If you can't well, I, 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 I will name a specific <coughs> situation, name, name the names, and, and, and again, this did not turn out the way we earnestly prayed for it to be, but um, Jackie England was, was um, very consistent in either coming to me at church or emailing me as her uh, kidney disease uh, was going on. And she wanted people in prayer for her. And she was very specific, very intentional about what she hoped people would pray for her. And and as she got sicker, David, her, her husband, would, would communicate with me. And so they had the confidence, I, I mean, there were, I'm sure, thousands of people who were praying for her mm -hmm. and them, but they had the confidence that at, at least 200 people here at Otter Creek had committed to be in prayer for them about specific things. And um, David messaged me on, on Sunday morning, the, the day she passed, mm -hmm. and, and said, this is what I'm seeing, and, and, and you know, get get the word out. And I got two or three additional messages as the day went on. It was so important to him to know that, that folks were praying, and um, of course they were surrounded by that um, that group of people that were in uh, with them at the hospital. But it it just um, I've heard from. A number of people have gotten notes, I've gotten emails saying thank you so much for praying. It means so much to know these, that folks were praying for me or my family or, you know. It's, and it's not just Otter Creek members that I get emails about because some, right. sometimes I get an email like I don't even, don't even know this person. So <laughs> you, it sounds like you get requests from members of friends of friends of friends yes. that just know about this ministry and what a special thing it is and what a blessing it is. Um, 
I guess. Do we have oh, it's quarter till, isn't it? Um, so if anyone wants to be added to that list, can they just leave their email address and you would add them to it yes. today? Or Sure. Okay, we have some paper. So I was going to open it up to questions, but I don't know that we really have time. I have one, one, one last sentence I want to share with oh, yeah. you. There, um, those of you who knew Joan Nato Van Hooser, um, she was on our son's prayer list for a long, long time because uh, he was in her class when he was five. And she had um, an injury, and he started praying for her. And he prayed for her probably for 10 or 15 years, every night, as Joan was on his list. Aww. And she sent us a note, uh, I think we got this three or four years ago. And this is why it's important to pray for people and let them know you're praying for them. I will always cherish Robert's prayers for Miss Joan for years after I had him as a student. God heard him and answered him. My life is a living testimony to this. So as you pray for people, let them know. I went up to Catherine Broadway and said, you're on my heart, I'm praying, be praying for your surgery on, on Wednesday. Enormous smile on her face. I mean, it, it's, it's a way you bless people. I encourage you to do that. That was one of my questions that I sort of skipped over. Do you, do those you pray for know? So you think it's important to let, yeah. and I, as, as do I. I think that's yeah. very important. Um, There's strength in that and, yeah. and hope and encouragement. Yeah. Thank y'all so much. They're some of my spiritual <laughs> mentor type people. So thanks for coming. All right. Next week, we're talking about encouragement and faith. Is that right? Yeah. Did y'all have any questions? We're kind of out of time, but if y'all have a burning question on your heart, I hate to dismiss without it being asked. So, for John and Lynn. All right. We'll see you Thank next you. week. <coughs>